Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. I have a friend who's well over six foot, pretty sizable guy. And he tells the story of a day walking through the parking lot in the middle of nowhere, Texas, and seeing a young man screaming and yelling at his mother. I mean, just laying into her. He was a teenager, pretty good sized guy himself. And he let his mother have it. My sizable friend stepped in and had a few words with the boy and then the mom. But I'll tell you the rest of that story in just a moment. But getting involved when you can, when you should, that's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and my friend went on to say that he had a great conversation with this young man, talked him down from the edge of his anger, frustration, whatever it was against his mother that day, and made a friend. In fact, offered the young man a scholarship to go to an outdoor, ready for this, hunting camp. Now, the kid was just traveling through the middle of nowhere, Texas. He was actually from an urban area, had never been out in the woods, had never been around any kind of critters, had no idea what that life was going to be like. And so this story kind of has a, a few branches within it, and it has become an incredible reality. This young man was invited and scholarshiped to go on this hunting extravaganza out into the woods and spend days camping. And on the first day, this young man smart-mouthed, mouthy, obnoxious, fought back against everybody, rebel against all authority, was told somewhere out there in those woods, you'll find God. You're on your own. We'll see you at bedtime. Go find him. And that was it. That was all the instruction he was given. Well, over the course of the next few days, he didn't have any success finding God out there in those woods until he was set out to boar hunt with a bow and arrow. And they'd been practicing and aiming and shooting at targets and everything else. And finally, here he is. And there's this probably 200 pound wild boar about 30 yards away. Pretty good kill shot if you're good with a bow. He fired. He hit the boar, hit the boar right in the top of the head, which will not kill a boar, but it did make him mad. And that boar began to charge him. This young man who's never been in the wild, who's never been face to face with a critter that doesn't stand to reason and cannot be intimidated. And for the first time in his life, the kid was scared, genuinely scared. Well, his hunting guide pulled up a rifle, dropped the boar, and then explained how when you miss the target, there's a big price to pay. Well, I'll leave that part of the story there. You can find it in, uh, I believe it's in Mike Arnold's book. But the next part of the story was when mom came back to the awards banquet in the year. And she said, I don't know what you did to my boy in those woods. But you took away an insolent, arrogant, obnoxious, rude, hate-filled little boy. And you brought me back a respectful young man. 
Now, the process didn't happen overnight. It took weeks, days, months. It took a while just to get to the camp. It took the process of the camp. It took what was learned at the camp. It took applying those principles and those rules after the camp. All of those things were necessary for this dramatic, we hope lifelong change to take place in this young man. It wasn't easy. It wasn't free, but it was worth it. But it all began with one simple step. A leader who didn't stand idly by and go, not my circus, not my monkeys, I'm not involved. I don't know the people that are having this quarrel. It's not my place to say. Let me tell you something. That is a societal fail. Big giant fail. If there was a fail army for societies that have failed, the number one most watched video loop on that would be those who have the ability, the wisdom, the knowledge, the character, the courage to get involved in society's mishaps and just simply stand up and go, you know what, there's a better way and I'd be delighted to share it with you. See, we've been so scared into silence that we don't get involved. It's not my issue. It's not my problem. I don't know the people involved in this quarrel, so I'll say nothing. That's why we've had rape victims who have been videoed as they're being molested in public places. We have more videos of people being molested than we have people getting involved. We also have morons. I can't think of a better word. It's as polite as I can get for a district attorney who wants to prosecute someone who intentionally involved himself to save other lives. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go look it up. There's a young man right now on trial for his very life and freedom because a man who had multiple arrests of violent behavior in public was also on some kind of drug, and several people tried to subdue him, and the one who finally succeeded in subduing him unintentionally caused the end of the man's life. Now, the 40-plus incidences where he had gotten away with what he was doing before and no one stepped in led him to believe no one will step in now. And when someone did who was able to subdue him, he caused himself a lot of harm. Now, who should we punish? The multiple repeat criminal or the one person who said, that's enough. Seriously, cut that crap out. See, what if my friend had not stepped into this relationship between this mother and son? How much longer would a young man with that kind of attitude and that kind of physical prowess continued on that path before mom's life became in danger or a girlfriend or someone on the streets, someone who had a possession that he wanted to possess, like a cell phone or a very nice handbag? We know of kids who've been beaten within an inch of their life over their expensive tennis shoes. We know schools who have adopted a policy of school uniforms to prevent that. Heaven forbid we scold, discipline, and redirect the child or children or gang of children or young adults who feel like it's A-OK to act in such a way as to damage or injure someone over their possessions. There's something wrong with the balance here. But I believe the fail army of society is when we refuse to engage when there is a problem. When we sit idly by. Now you might remember from a previous episode, a quote from Aristotle. Tyrants require, need, demand, force their subjects to be separate. Why? Well, 
I believe our founding fathers had a bold statement about that when they said, well, we will either hang together or we will individually hang separately. If we don't stick together as a group, if we don't understand how to work together to better our society, if we as a society are not willing to step up against those rogue actors, be they politicians or, or peasants, whether they're the people from the ivory towers or the free people from the street corner, if they are unwilling to participate in a viable, compassionate human society, as participants and not predators, there should be a consequence for that. If they are unwilling to love their neighbor and be good people, they should have their own society. Now, let me also follow that with this. There are a whole lot of, um, for lack of a better term, generational curses, like incarceration. If dad spends most of his life in jail, sadly, his sons are likely to do the same. Why? Well, partly because it's repeated behavior, but partly because it's usually dad that steps in when that teenage boy steps up to mom and says, hey, it's going to be like this. I remember Josh McDowell telling this story about breaking generational curses, which should have never been experienced in his house. But he talked about coming home from a trip one time. Uh, and it's in one of his books. I believe it was... I'd have to look back again. I, I can't remember which, which book it was in, but I, I know I read it, read it and I'm pretty sure it was Josh McDowell. But he said he came home and was unloading his laundry in the laundry room and nobody knew he was home yet, but he could hear everything going on in the house. And his son came downstairs and said, I'm going to go play basketball. And mom said, no, you're going to go clean your room. And he said, well, I'll clean my room when I get back. And he picked up the phone to call his friends and she took the phone out of his hand and said, no, you'll go clean your room. When you're done cleaning your room, then you can go play basketball. And he turned at her and yelled, you be, I'm going to play basketball. And as the words were coming out of his mouth, his father came through the laundry room door, pinned him to the wall, got nose to nose in his face and said, young man, if you'd like to step outside, we can step outside. But I'm going to be really clear with you, that woman... She was my wife long before she was your mother, and there's no man alive that talks to my wife like that. I can only imagine that it changed the behavior of that young man to realize there is a fortress guarding this woman. And that fortress is dad. A leader willing to step in and go, hang on, this is my circus. Those are my monkeys, and you will behave yourself. See, as leaders, we often, we look at the cycles like the generational curses of addiction, the generational curses of, of divorce, of poverty, of incarceration, and we say, well, they're not my kids. What can I do? And maybe we throw a little money at it to make ourselves feel good. We, we say things like, and I hear this from leaders all the time, and it makes me want to stomp my feet and scream and throw a temper tantrum. I'm not involved in politics, and politics is not my problem. Yes, it is. It's policies like, go ahead, take what you want to. If it's not over $1,000, we won't even allow the security guard in the building to stop you. That started in California about three years ago, maybe four. During COVID, they were even excused by saying, well, they need the money. They need the food. But they weren't stealing food. They were stealing Gucci. <laughs> they weren't stealing groceries. They were stealing Gucci's. 
They weren't after the food, they were after the money. And they realized if nobody's going to stop us, why should we stop ourselves? This is not a racial issue. This is a behavioral issue. It's a behavioral issue as a result of local policies. District's attorney and local attorneys and local law enforcement who say, we're not going to enforce the laws that seem inconvenient. No, we're only going to enforce the laws that, well, they better paint the color of society the way we want it to be. The sad part of it is when local business leaders don't get involved, those policies stand. So how did local business leaders get involved? Well, in Target, you can now find glass doors with locks covering the most basic items. It used to be that razors had that little thing on there that if you tried to pull it off the shelf, you had to have a release to get it or it had to go through some kind of mind puzzle to get it off the shelf so you couldn't grab them and steal them quickly because, you know, razors are $50 for a razor. That's about the dumbest thing I've ever seen. But if you need a lifetime supply of razors, you're not going to run out of them with a grocery store pretty easily. It's going to take you some work. And by that time, somebody's probably going to catch you. But we went from that to aspirins and Sudafeds, and you could just scoop your arm behind the shelf and pull all of them off that you wanted to and sell them on the black market or put them on Amazon, and nobody would know because they don't have serial numbers that are trackable that way. But you can also take a garbage bag and run through a Gucci store or a Walgreens, steal whatever you want, edible or not, who cares? As long as it's not over $1,000, local policymakers say you can have it. Local store owners said, that's enough of that nonsense, and they started boarding up their stores, closing them, pulling out of the market. Wait, is this business or is this politics? Yes, because they're inseparable. If you're a business leader, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a local government leader, you have the same level of investment in your community in politics. Yeah. The local shop owner who decides who hangs out in their store and who doesn't. What about the behavior? I don't know if you know this or not, but it's now a nationwide policy at Starbucks. If they see you fall asleep, maybe you're reading a boring book, doing your homework, just had a late night studying. But if you fall asleep in a chair at Starbucks, they will ask you to leave. Well, everybody goes to Starbucks to read, to, to write, to hang out, to meet friends, to maybe even have several meetings with different people over the course of a day. It's the office away from home. But don't fall asleep there because they will throw you out. Where do you think that idea came from? It came from those marketplaces where the Starbucks couldn't serve the customers they were intended to serve. You know, the ones who pay because they were perpetually providing ice water to homeless people who would bring all of their goodies and sit around in their nice comfy chairs and eventually destroy the course of business because nobody wants to sit there with someone who hasn't had a shower in four or five days. And so the paying customers either went to the drive-thru and left or they didn't come at all. And the non-paying customers took over the territory. And Starbucks, although they're not a political organization per se, said, no, we're, we're not going to do that. And they changed their policy. That's leadership. Now, they have other policies that I disagree with. But if you think that a company like Starbucks is not involved in politics, you're fooling yourself. If you think a company like 
the one who changes your oil, replaces your tires, fixes your car, replaces your AC. If you think they're not involved in politics, you don't understand small business. Even if they don't want to be, they're involved in politics. So let me ask the question again. If you're a leader and you claim to be apolitical, is that even possible? Or what are the policies that are going to impact you, the way that other people around you do their business, the way that people come into and move through your community? Will you be involved in those decisions and those policies? Well, yeah, and you'll be a victim of them if they're bad policies. Just ask the shop owners who've been robbed blind by people who will never be prosecuted because what they've done isn't considered by those in power, politics, to be a crime. Oh, you lost your livelihood? I'm sorry. I mean, you mean you lost all source of income? Oh, that's terrible. You lost all your inventory? Oh my gosh, that's bad. What will you do? Wait for a government check? But the policy that's made by your local decision makers, that's what's going to decide who hangs out in your store. That's what's going to decide who gets to carry stuff out your front door without any prosecution or any recompense. Those policies are as local as it gets. Well, it's the same with your school board. What your kids are allowed to read or forced to read or forced to see when you think they're at school being safely educated into a better life. And then suddenly you show up at a school board meeting or a PTA meeting or you show up in the unexpected visit to the lunch hour and find things happening at lunch that you're like, oh my gosh, I would never want my children exposed to that. But it's not your say. You're just a parent, not a politician. Right? No. I think just like my friend who is willing to step into a stranger's life and go, hang on, there, there, there might be a better way to deal with this. There might be a better alternative. There might be, might I suggest, some change that needs to be made. Someone who's willing to stand their ground and say, you know what, if you throw a punch at me, I'll take it. But if you listen to me, I'll bring you hope. If we're not willing to do that as leaders in society, then what exactly are we leading? The orchestra on a sinking Titanic? What good are we if the ship is going down and we're refusing to participate in its saving? What good are we as leaders if we watch these disastrous events in our society, from local policies to national policies to global policies, if we watch them happen and we do nothing. I believe Dante had a word for that. I believe what he said was something akin to the darkest places in hell are reserved for those who in time of moral disaster do nothing. Now is that time. And I challenge you as a leader, whether you're a scout leader, a political leader, or the owner of a solopreneur business, I'm not telling you what to think. I'm just challenging you to take the time to think. I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm just challenging you to stand up for what you believe. I'm not telling you what your society ought to look like. I'm just telling you if you don't get involved, the utter demise of society is inevitable. Now's the time for you as a leader to stand up, to speak up, to deliver some reasons for hope 
so that people can see there is a better way. It hasn't always been like this, and it won't always need to be like this. You can change it by getting involved, by speaking up, by telling the truth as best you know it. Take the time to do that. Study your history. Look at the cycles. How have they repeated themselves? What caused it? How do we undo the cycle we're in right now and change the course? That's the job of a leader. Get busy. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast or Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. that I was praying, God, you know, he just needs this thing broken in his life. He's become involved in that class. And there's real spiritual change and real physical change happening in this guy's life. Today on Transforming Grace TV. I succumb to addiction and I would succumb to pornography. And the residual effect of that in my life and my children and my household and my other relationships, mind-boggling. And yet I knew there was a call in my life. And I think that tension is what pulls men apart in the churches, and and it pulls families apart. That, to me, is heartbreaking. My opinion, too, is that uh, the body of Christ has a tendency to crucify our wounded. Transforming Grace TV passionately reveals hope in broken relationships. Stay tuned. Experience God's transforming grace.